When you work, you hope to establish a sense of financial and personal security, which will allow you to enjoy your later years in life. However, according to Bloomberg, only 22% of Americans who are approaching retirement say that they'll have enough money to live a sustainable and comfortable life when they retire. According to the 2022 Schroeder's Retirement Survey, Adam Costa is a man of great fortune. He was able to retire at 40 after making some smart financial decisions, relying on his vast financial education and street smarts to travel the world and help others maximize the best version of their lives every minute of every day. He's the founder of DailyBetter.org, which provides free financial education in the form of daily email courses to help people maximize their finances to live the best version of the life they want to live. Costa has some experience um, dealing with that and how he crawled his way out of it to live a more prosperous financial and personal life. And now he was on a mission to share those tricks of the trade with all of you. During our conversation this week, we touched upon a wide variety of financial diversification topics, how to invest money smartly, and how automating your money and making your finances work for you has a positive effect on every aspect of your life. It was a great conversation of tremendous insight and education, which I am now pleased to share with all of you. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Absolutely. So, Adam, if you're ready, I'll take a moment to welcome you uh, to the program, my friend. I'm super excited to learn how to help people uh, maximize their finances and live their best life. I'm going to wish you a happy Tuesday, and it's great to see you this afternoon. Thank you so very much for being here. Yeah, I'm thrilled to be here, Kevin. Looking forward to it as well. Absolutely. So, Adam, that's how you got to retirement. Boarding you, lucky dog, and you uh, can't, you, you now help people live their best life, and you get to 
travel all over the all over the world, and I know you're now dedicated to helping people uh, maximize their fullest level of prosperity from a personal and financial lens. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about all the great work that you do. For sure. So uh, let's go. Let's go back in time a bit. Uh, back in, when I was 27 years old, which feels like an eternity ago now. Uh, I was $6,000 in debt and I was working two full-time jobs. So I worked as a travel agent by day and then I would go wait tables at night because I was trying desperately to pay off this debt. And that was a real turning point for me because I realized that the, the way the game was set up, I wasn't going to get ahead trying with this approach. I mean, I was working literally from seven in the morning till midnight, going home, going to bed, waking up, rinsing and repeating. And so my wife and I started, this is crazy, but despite all of, all of this work that I was doing, um, one weekend, my wife and I put together a website and we started to sell our own products online. And from there, we learned a lot about online marketing. We learned how to grow companies. And so we hit the road right after we got married, uh, way back when in 2010. We hit the road and started working as consultants. And for over 10 years, I advised over 140 companies. So the, the big companies that people know, like Dropbox, Wired, Amazon, um, as well as dozens of fast-growing startups. And I helped them grow their sales through something called conversion optimization, which is basically looking at the website, talking to their users, and asking them to make changes to the site to increase their sales. And those projects have made literally tens of millions of dollars for them. So during these 10 years, my wife and I, we had traveled and we had lived in 30 countries, 33, I think now, I, I can't keep track. Uh, and we did retire at 40 using just a few simple strategies, which I'm happy to share with people on the, the call today. So I retired from consulting at 40. And I like to say that for a year after that, I was pretty much the most worthless person on the planet. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I felt kind of like a broken compass. You know, I didn't really have a, a direction as to what I wanted to do next. And after a year off, I decided that really what, what moves me is to help others achieve their goals based on my own experiences. And that's why I founded the site dailybetter.org. And I'm also the author of a book coming out soon, which is called Retire in 10 Years, which for all of your listeners, if you're listening now, um, I do plan on selling the book in the future, but you can get free access for listening to this interview uh, if you just go to dailybetter.org slash book. So that's dailybetter.org slash book book. And as you can see, I'm, I'm genuinely passionate about helping people get better every single day of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Adam, I always say that maximizing uh, prosperity and your portrait of success, success is different for all of us. You know, I look at success, Adam, as painting a picture and everyone's Portrait of success is different. So just before I ask you about daily better, tell me about the importance of having a, a sense of adventure in life and how, how it can really be a grounding force for you when, when you're trying to discover uh, a passion if you're open to new experiences. How important do you think it is to have a sense of adventure in life? That's a great question. And I forget who, who said this first, but it really resonated with me. They said, if you imagine life, you've got your comfort zone, which is on one side, and then you've got everything that you want in life, which is outside of that comfort zone. And you have to get outside of your comfort zone to go and achieve that. And that's really where 
I think your your sense of adventure comes into play. I find that if if I'm going a couple weeks and I'm not doing anything that gets my pulse up, I'm not really living. And I sometimes think that the greatest enemy in life is complacency. That if things are are too easy or we just kind of get into a routine, those days start flying by. And I, I've noticed that just in like my wife and I when we're traveling. Sometimes we'll have a like six months or a year where maybe we're not doing as much. And I'm like, wow, that year just kind of flew by. But then you have six months or a year where you're traveling a lot, or perhaps you're spending more time with your family or your loved ones. Um, You're starting a new job or a new project. You're doing something that's really engaging and it's getting your pulse up. All of a sudden, time slows down. And I really do believe that time is relative in that way. And if you want to lead a very fulfilling life that, that feels full, you have to have that sense of adventure and, and do different things. When I say adventure, I don't mean it doesn't have to be travel. It's it's whatever gets your pulse up and gets you excited. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, Adam, you're now the head of education of dailybetter.org, which provides free uh, education, as you said, in the form of daily email courses and uh, so much more. So tell me about uh, your current endeavor and why you're so excited about it. Yeah, so dailybetter.org, it's a passion project. Uh, we're not we're not currently selling anything on there. It just offers free daily emails to help others learn skills that they should have learned in school, but didn't. So skills like how do you automate your finances and set it up? Uh, or how to increase your focus and block distractions? Or how to retire in as little as 10 years, even if you're in your 20s? These are things that are are actually quite simple if you have a roadmap in place. And each of these courses, they're very short, they're to the point. You get a daily email, most of them only run for like seven to 10 days. Each email has one simple action, just says, hey, do this one thing and you'll see results. So I like to think of these courses as roadmaps to help people get results as fast as possible. And I think a lot of that actually stems from my experience as a consultant. When people hire consultants, they really only care about one thing, which is the result. Consultants live and die by results. So after a decade, after a decade or so of, of getting results for large companies and startups, I really want to do the same thing for people, but on a much more personal basis. And so that's really our mission. That's what gets me excited. That's what gets me out of bed now is Daily Better is designed to help people get better every single day, better with their personal development, better with their relationships, and better with their money. Because frankly, a lot of advice out there, it's too generic or it's outdated or long-winded. And as a consultant, I learned that in order to get unconventional results, you have to do unconventional things. And it's amazing what you can achieve when you start thinking outside of the box. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Adam, you said that uh, financial education is sort of outdated these days, and uh, uh, your main mission in life now is to help people, as you said, live the unconventional way, but also by understanding what they need from a financial perspective. So let's dive a little bit deeper in creating a roadmap for anyone watching or listening to this on what steps they need to take to really maximize their personal financial sort of diversification and really how they can really use their finances to their advantage. Sure. So at a very high level, the it's very simple. The first thing you want to do is automate your, your finances. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. 
Um, but just at a high level, focus on automation. It's going to free up time. It's going to free up headspace. And it's going to basically guarantee your, your results over a long enough period of time. You'll also want to increase your savings. Uh, and you can do that by increasing your income as well as reducing your expenses. And I'll give some, some examples of that in just a second. So if you're increasing your income, you're decreasing your expenses, then you've got this money left over, you wanna invest the difference. And there's a million different ways that you can invest. Uh, I find for most people, if they're just getting started, and I do this myself, even after you know a decade of doing this stuff, um, is to just invest in low cost index funds. And I can talk more about that a bit later if you'd like. But in terms of the like the unconventional side of things, it's really important for people to start thinking outside of the box because we were all trained and raised to believe that you go to school and then you get a good job and then you work there for 40 years and then you retire and then you can go travel or do whatever it is you want to do when you're 65. But the way that technology has changed, the way that that companies do business now, the game has changed and you you really can't expect to do that. And I think a lot of younger folks in their 20s and even 30s, they get this intuitively. You know, the companies are not going to be there for them 40 years from now. You have to be in control of your financial future. And so just a, a quick run through of like four things that my wife and I did that were unconventional, but paid off. Uh, so way back when 2010, we started working remotely. This was before the whole, um, you know, Zoom craze that that came from COVID came about. And when you work remotely, you can live somewhere cheaper. So if you're working for a company that's based in Toronto or London, San Francisco, New York, wherever, you can live in somewhere else like Buenos Aires or perhaps Peru or Phnom Penh. You know, there's lots of places where your money's going to go a lot further. And this arbitrage opportunity is still in place today, and it could definitely help you get ahead. Another thing that we did was house sitting. And people... People trip out when they hear this. So my wife and I actually didn't pay rent for four years. We lived in Vancouver, Canada in a beautiful home. We lived in Morocco for three months on this beautiful house that was right on the ocean. We got the sunset that was right there. It was gorgeous. Uh, we lived in uh, a mansion in England for like six weeks. And how house sitting works is you you join a site like trustedhousesitters.com or house carers, and you post a profile you reach out to people who are homeowners and you say, I'm really interested in uh, cats. I see you've got four cats. You need someone to take care of them. How about we take care of your cats? And so the exchange is that you get to care for someone else's home and their pets, cats, dogs, uh, sheep, <laughs> take your pick. And while you're there, you don't pay rent. And so it's a total win-win for everybody, uh, particularly for my wife and I, because we're crazy cat people, but we love to travel. So it's hard to have cats at home when you don't have a home. So that was a great way for us to, to do that. And also, just for those of you listening, picture four years of not paying rent and putting that directly into investments for the long-term future. It's huge. There's two other unconventional strategies that came from this. Uh, it's US-specific, so I'll just cover it very quickly. Um, the first one is called the US, uh, excuse me, the Foreign Earned Income Exclusion. And what this says is if you're a US citizen and you spend 330 days out of a 365 day period, uh, you don't have to pay taxes on the first, let's say about $100,000 in income. So if you're married or you're, you know, you're, you're with a partner, that's $200,000 that you don't have to pay taxes on while you're traveling the world because you're not in the US. So that's fair, I think, you know, it's, it's not, you know, this isn't like some 
like sleazy tax evasion tactic. It's it's written in the tax code. You can just do it. It's completely fine. If you're not there, you know, to me, that's that's totally cool. Uh, one last one is to move to a tax-friendly state. Uh, if you are in Alaska, Florida, Nevada, New Hampshire, South Dakota, Tennessee, uh, what are the other ones? Texas, Washington, and I think Wyoming, uh, they don't have state income tax. So for example, household income in the US, Canada, I imagine is very similar. You're looking at like $60,000 a year. You could save $1,500 a year on, on income tax just by moving to one of these other states. Um, so that's a, another kind of unconventional strategy. So of those four, they all work really well. You don't have to do any of them, but uh, but they do really work. So working remotely, house sitting is amazing. Um, also moving to a tax-friendly state and the foreign earned income exclusion. And of course, all of these strategies are that much more powerful when you go through and automate your finances. And that's the real, the real key. Absolutely. Adam, I'm fascinated to ask you about the best part of living in Imagine, my friend, for free. That. So what was your uh, most uh, memorable experience living in that mansion, buddy? I'm fascinated. In the mansion? Um, hmm. Well, the, the most memorable one, I wasn't actually there for, uh, which is probably a good thing. So we were in this mansion in England, and um, I, I don't want to say names, but the, the guy whose house it was, uh, forgive me, I forget what it's called in, in, in the UK, but it's it's basically like, a Grammy, so like a music awards, but in the UK. So he had won a bunch of those and he was a producer. It's like a record producer for some very successful bands. And so the, this house was just beautiful and he and his, his wife and their, their kids were lovely. So they took off and then I had a, a business meeting. I was going to meet a, some partners in London. So I went to London for the weekend. Unbeknownst to me, that was the one night, the one night that I wasn't in this house my poor wife, she's in this big mansion all by herself. Mansion's made of windows, by the way. So it's just all glass. Right? And it's the middle of the night and the alarm goes off. The burglar alarm. Just wow, 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 wow. It's oh, like three, it's yeah. like three o'clock in the morning. The the homeowners, they went to, I think it was the Seychelles. So I mean, they were just like out in the middle of nowhere, and there's no way to contact them. And so she's thinking, well, <laughs> this burglar alarm's going off. Like, what the hell's going on? And it turns out there was there was some mechanism that triggered it, and it didn't go off for like an hour. So I'm out in London having a good time, you know, speaking with some partners about uh, a business that we were working on, and my poor wife is up at three o'clock in the morning with the alarms firing. But it all worked out in the long run. Uh, well, that's quite the story. So. Uh, how did you make it up to your wife that you weren't there and having all that fun, my friend? Uh, lo lots of dinners. I, I cooked a lot of dinners going forward and uh, lots of flowers and compliments. I find that that usually gets me out of a lot of things over time. And you cleaned up after you cooked, right? <laughs> of course. Of course. That, Come on, that... man. I'm, dude, I've been, I've been with my wife now 20 years. I'm trained well. Well, I would hope so, right? <laughs> marriage is like riding a bike. The more you do it, the better you get at it, right? I like that. Can I can I borrow that? I, just give me 10% of the commission <laughs> check if you make any money off of that, okay? I love it. It's all yours. Absolutely. So, Adam, I want to ask you about, you know, a living uh, 
screen, you know? And how automation helps you do that? You explain the, the strategies that you use to do that. But I'm also here to ask you how automation uh, contributes to your overall quality of life because it, it makes it easier, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And it actually reminds me of these these two facts that you had shared on a previous podcast of you uh, that you had done with Luke Tatum. And they really stuck with me. You said that, I wrote it down. I've got it here in my notes so, so I could get it proper. According to Standard & Poor's, only 57% of US adults are financially literate. And 73% of Americans don't regularly follow a budget to manage their money. That to me was, was a, a real eye-opener. So with automation, you can actually solve both of those. So if people aren't very financially literate, they they don't need to read you know big books or take large courses on on finances. They just need someone to get them through the basics. You know, like here's some free advice: do these five, six, seven things in a row, and you're going to be good. And that also ties into regularly following a budget. Following a budget is an active approach. But if you automate things, it becomes passive. And the simple thing that you can do is just set up and automate your finances so that you're saving money for the future. And that alone makes a huge difference. Just as a very quick example, uh, I'd like everyone listening to picture two people. The first one spends an afternoon automating their fin finances. It takes them like maybe four hours. And I'll walk you through what that would look like in a second. The second one lies on the couch and watches basketball all day. So this is just one random Sunday afternoon. Fast forward 20 years out, the person who took that afternoon to automate their finances is likely to be a millionaire. And you just like, you think about that for a second. It's like, wow, four hours can yield that tremendous upside potential just by setting up these automations because every month there's going to be more money being invested. It's going to compound, it's going to grow, and it's going to have a major impact on their life. In terms of automation, like this almost sounds crazy to say, but Growing wealth, like, and I'm I'm talking like to somebody who's listening to this podcast. I'm, I'm talking obviously. There's a certain level to this, you know. If you're if you're in a third world country in poverty, obviously this is going to be very hard. But for like an average listener, growing wealth is actually quite easy because unlike going to the gym, where you have to go time in and time out, uh, you only have to set up your finances once, and the results keep compounding for you, whether you think about it or not. And to your earlier question about you know, how does how does automation impact your your overall life, not just talking numbers, it frees up headspace. You don't have to worry about oh geez, you know, did, did I budget for this appropriately? Uh, do I have do I have enough money to cover this? What is my spending like? What are my how are my retirement goals coming together? Oh geez, like you don't have to worry about all that. It's set and forget, and every day you're growing wealthier. And I think that does something to the way that people look at the world, because you're not in this reactionary state. And I, I remember that when I was working the two jobs, I didn't want to wait, wait tables at night, but it was reactionary because I was in debt. I had to pay it off and I just had to grind through it. And as you start to grow your wealth and you have things automated, that goes away and you don't, you find yourself not living in this reactive fight or flight type of mindset. You're actually moving towards more of a growth mindset. You can take the long-term view on things. So I really think that opening up that that headspace is incredibly valuable. Um, if you'd like, I'm happy to just do a quick walkthrough of what automation might look like for somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Go right ahead, my friend. 
Okay. So automation really is just about controlling the flow of your money. Now you can use it to do two things, invest for the future and pay your bills. And I suggest you do them in that order. You always want to pay yourself first. And that's that's a huge lesson that I learned early on is that people who are successful pay themselves first and then spend what's left. Whereas people who struggle with money, regardless of how much money they make, you know, you could be a doctor making $200,000 a year, some crazy amount of money. But if you're spending it all and then you invest what's left over, you're not going to get uh, nearly as, as ahead as you could. So in terms of your automation, just think about the money that's flowing into your, your checking account. So you want to ask your HR person if, if this is available for a retirement account, like a 401k. If you have this, ask them to automatically contribute to your retirement account. You never see this money. It's never your account, but it's growing for you with tax advantages as well. You can then set up a direct deposit into your checking account. I, I assume most listeners have already done this, but just in the spirit of being complete, I want to mention it. So direct deposit goes to your checking account. Now from your checking account, you automatically pay your credit card bill every month. Ideally, you're paying it off in full. If you can't, try and pay as much of that as you can and get rid of that debt as quickly as possible. You can use that credit card to automatically pay other bills. And there might be a few bills that uh, you can't use a credit card for, like rent, that's a, a big one. You can set up automatic bill pay from your checking account to pay for that. So this is all pretty simple stuff, but it does take some time to set up. It's not a lot, but it does run automatically. Um, just a, a quick pro tip for anybody listening. If you are worried about like, well, my money's coming in, but then I have all these bills. Like I'm worried about maybe not having enough money in my account. You can schedule your bills to all go out on like the same day. So for example, if your paycheck comes in and hits your account on the second of the month, all you have to do is call your bill providers. And they'll do this. They really will do this. And you say, hey, I want to change my billing cycle so that I start paying my bills on the 5th. So your money comes into your bank account on the 2nd. You've got three days before that money goes out. That gives you a chance to take a look and say, okay, everything looks good. We'll just let it run. From the checking account, you then also want to put additional money into your investments. Now, you've already put money into your retirement accounts, like your 401k or something like that. If you have money left over after paying the bills, you can also put more money into your investments. And again, I, I recommend starting with this. So you want to put it into your savings account for something short term. Let's say uh, if you want to have like a month or two expenses just in case something happens, if you're saving up for uh, to buy a car, if you have a wedding, things that you're going to be spending money on in the next like year, just keep that in a savings account. Totally fine. Because it's in the savings account, it's not in your checking account. You don't see it. You're not as tempted to spend it. You can also put money into long-term investments such as like index funds. And I'll, I can make some recommendations on like where people can start that are super low cost and easy to get started. And I'm happy to do that just a, a bit later. So that yeah. really kind of summarizes automation and, and how you can tie it all together into what's called the accumulation phase before you start like actually managing your money going forward. Sorry, yeah. Kevin, keep going. No, no, uh, I, I was just going to lead you into uh, sort of a, a natural uh, segue for uh, uh, bringing up this information. And, I was curious to also ask you, Adam, uh, well, when you create sort of the financial freedom through through sort of uh, automation, do you think that also allows you to 
the, uh, diversify the money, the money that you have to spend on discretionary things and things that you have to pay as principal expenses. So basically, do you think uh, financial freedom and diversification are interconnected in any way? They absolutely are. And um, yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. I think that when you when you have that financial freedom, meaning that you can start doing things without worrying about the the financial aspect of it, it really opens you up to a lot of other opportunities. So for example, you could be open to starting new businesses. And more importantly, you can afford to take the long view because a lot of people, uh, they might be starting a new business because they need to pay. Uh, they need to pay the rent and they need to get that money coming in right away. And that's where I was at when I was 27. And it's a grind. But when you are financially free, you can take the long view and just say, you know what, I'm, I'm happy to just provide value to people, talk to people, uh, and, and see you know, where the opportunities may lie. And you don't have to worry about trying to make a quick buck. Like nobody really wants to make a quick buck. They just have to make a quick buck given their life circumstances. So I think that that frees up a lot in that you can take the long view with businesses. Uh, in addition, you may be open to investing a small percentage into, let's say, higher risk, higher reward types of investments. Um, you know, if, if you're if you're in a very comfortable position and you want to invest one to five percent of your assets into something that may go to zero or may ten x, well, I mean that could be very worthwhile. But you know, you you wouldn't want to do that if you're if you're just scraping by. You want to play it conservative and just play the long game there. Having said that, you don't have to diversify. Many people, such as myself, are happy to sit on a large pile of index funds. Uh, it's simple, it's low cost, it's easy, and I know it's going to be there 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Yeah, so, yeah, Adam, I'm also curious to ask you about the math behind retirement and really making the decision to retire early and the financial questions that you have to ask yourself before uh, making such a big decision. So talk to me about the math behind retirement, retiring early, and what people have to consider before they make uh, that decision. For sure. So the, the math is surprisingly simple. It's, um, it's, it's based on something called the 4% rule or the 25X rule, which I find it's, it's easier to follow. It's basically the same thing, but expressed in different ways. So there's a study that that went over this. It was called the Trinity study. And they said, hey, if you were to go over a 30-year period um, and you were to pull out X percent of money that you had invested in the stock market and bonds, et cetera, in those 30-year periods, so from like 1970 to 2000, 1971 to 2001, et cetera, in those 30-year periods, how likely were you to still have money left over after 30 years? And what they found was that you can pull about 4% of your total assets every year and you'll still have money left over after 30 years. In fact, in many cases, your money's more than doubled. So it's incredibly valuable. Um, if people want to really geek out on the 4% rule, there's just a ridiculous amount of content on the subject. I've certainly written quite a bit myself. Um, but I, I also prefer the 25X rule, which is the same thing, but expressed differently. So just take your expenses every year. So let's say you spend $40,000 a year. You multiply that by 25 times, and that tells you how much money you need to retire. So $40,000 times 25 is $1 million, and that's how much you need to, to basically stop working, 
and never make another cent for the rest of your life. Um, if if that number is too big or it's just kind of a, a complex topic, another simple way to look at it is for every $300,000 you save, so $300,000 is going to translate to $1,000 a month in passive income. I'll just say that again real quick. $300,000 invested is $1,000 a month in passive income for life. So hopefully that, that number helps people as well. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, you know, there are different levels of of financial freedom because, you know, you know, retiring for some people or achieving financial freedom has a different definition for all uh, people. But I, I'm curious to ask you about uh, achieving that financial freedom and really having a sustainable sort of appetite to make sure that that continues. So how do you think uh, financial freedom and the definition of that uh, can be diversified. Yeah, this is something that I was guilty of myself when I had first learned about this. In my mind, I was thinking it was very binary. You know, you're either financially free or you're not. And it's like you wake up one day, you've put in that extra twenty dollars into your account. And you're like, ah, that's it. I'm financially free. That's not really the case. It's a spectrum, and there's a lot of exciting opportunities along the way. And the, the best way to think about it is when you're working towards financial freedom, you're making money from two, two different ways, um, your job or your assets. And when you're first starting out, if your net worth is zero and you have a job, then 100% of your income is coming from your job. So on the other end of the spectrum, 100% of your income is coming from your assets and you don't need a job. But obviously that's a huge spectrum. So as you increase your assets, you decrease your need for a job until eventually you don't need to work. So if we think of this as a spectrum from on one end, you have zero assets. On the other hand, you have enough money that you never need to work. Let's say you're halfway to your goal. Now, it'd be easy for somebody to say, oh, geez, I'm only halfway. This is going to take me forever. I'm never going to do this. Well, first of all, halfway is actually a lot more than halfway due to compounding, but that's another, another story. What's more important to think about is that because you're now halfway, you can start doing lots of different things. So for example, let's say you really like your job. You could scale back your current job and just work 20 hours a week or maybe six hours a month. You could also find a different lower paying job that you love. My favorite job that I ever had in my life was working as a tour guide. And I ran cross country trips across North America. So we go to Mexico, US, and Canada. It was a blast. It paid nothing but it was a lot of fun. So you could do stuff like that. Um, if you say, I don't really want to slog it out at this job for another five years, why don't I go do some fun, fun work now and I can just let my investments continue to grow? In fact, if you're halfway there, your investments will probably double in 10 years anyway. So just go do something else to cover your current expenses, stop worrying about saving, uh, and go have a good time. So the key point to all of this is that there are levels to this. And you've got a lot of different options, even if you're only halfway there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Adam, I'm going to ask you a sort of a, a, a selfish but uh, interesting question uh, uh, for me. You know, uh, Adam, I, I don't know if you uh, knew this about me, but I used to work for the Ontario Chamber of Commerce on a project called the Discoverability Network. And it was the province of Ontario's new online job matching portal 
uh, for individuals uh, with disabilities and employers to get connected. And you know, the uh, SAG for uh, the the network and the chamber when I worked there was seize the opportunity to advance your business. So I'm, I'm curious to ask you, how, how do you think people can seize the opportunity to advance their lives and maximize their finances? Hmm, it's a good question. I think it really does boil down to three simple steps, which is you want to increase your income, you want to decrease your expenses, and you want to invest the difference. It, it's really that simple because the less money you spend, the less money you need when you're retired. And, and that's that's easy. It's also very easy to increase your income depending on how you go about it. Uh, so yeah, just in terms of reducing your expenses, I know the, the big four expenses for most people in order, they're gonna be taxes, housing, food, and transportation. It's not not the same for everybody, but it's usually in that order. Uh, I've already covered a, a few topics for the, the US audience listening on taxes, uh, foreign earned income exclusion, moving to a tax-friendly state. Uh, for everyone else, you can also hire a tax expert. They're absolutely worth it. Uh, I've worked with the, the same woman now for, I think, seven or eight years. And she can do the taxes. She, she does the work, but also I schedule a call every year where we just have a strategy session. I'll say, okay, what am I doing wrong? What could we be doing better? What, what would you recommend? And that makes that makes me feel a lot better knowing that I've got her in our corner and we've got that expert advice. In addition, you could also start a, a side hustle of some sort. At least initially, you can write off those expenses and that could be useful. If you wanna reduce housing expenses, like I said, I've covered a few like house sitting, you can also do house hacking. So if you can rent out a, a room in your place, that has a huge impact on your savings. You can you can save a tremendous amount of money there. You could also do what's called a home exchange. If you own your own home, if you wanna go on vacations, basically you, you swap a house with somebody and you say, hey, you live in Aspen, I live in LA, just as an example, um, we, can, we can swap. And you can either do it at the same time or different times, however you, you see fit. So there's some good ways to reduce your housing expenses. And then also, and this is true for everybody listening, uh, there's smaller but very low-hanging fruit that has a big impact. Call your bill providers and negotiate lower rates, lower fees. So your credit card is, is a great one to start. Uh, call them up and ask for a lower rate, particularly if you have debt. Uh, if you don't have any debt, you can call and ask them to increase your credit limit, which is really good for your credit score. In either case, call them up and see what they can do for you. Uh, do the same thing for all of your other bill providers. So your phone, this is another classic one. A lot of phone providers will drop the rate if you call them, particularly if you can find like a promo or an intro rate from another company. Just highlight like, hey, I've been a customer of yours for four years. I've paid on time every single month. Um, I see that there's a better price available. W what can you do for me? Can you help me out? Just say exactly what I just said right there. I've used it myself and it works. And it's not just on the phone. You could do that for all of your memberships. So the gym, um, cable, internet, like any of the wireless providers. And uh, oh, one other thing I want to share with you. This is a quick, quick tip. The website Get Human makes life so much easier when you're trying to contact these companies. So if you say, hey, I want to call... Uh, Chase Bank. Like, how do I talk to a human being? 
and you go to the website, it'll give you the digits you have to click. So you know that that terrible feeling when you call and they're like, you know, if you want to discuss your savings, click one. If you yeah. want to do this, press two. Like it's, oh, and it takes like 15 minutes. Get Human just says, press two, press pound, press three, press three, press pound, press seven, press pound, done. And it'll get you to a human much faster. It's a great website. And I use it all the time. Well, I have to tell you, in the age of uh, uh, technology and everything, a robot, when you call people, it must make it a difference, yeah. huh? Absolutely. Yeah. So that was, like I said, there was the three pillars, reduce your expenses, increase your income and invest the difference. If you want to increase your income, the, I always advise this to people every time, ask for a raise or find a new job. Do both of those at the same time. And if you ask for a raise, you can you can often get anywhere from a three to a 10% increase in your salary um, just by taking the initiative. It's not your job. It's not your boss's job to make you rich. They're not going to just offer it to you. You have to ask for it. And you can also look at, at other jobs. I find that most people, myself included, that's really how you, you scale up your income quickly is you keep working with different companies and working your way up because whenever you start working for a new company, whatever you're getting paid is kind of like your, your new base and all your future uh, raises are going to be based on that. Whereas if you start a new job, it's a completely new salary. Your base could be a lot higher. Could be like 50 percent higher. And yeah, so that's that's super powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And you also have to know your value when you go ask for those raises, right? Yeah, and something I I mentioned in the the book, I've got like scripts for all of this stuff. Uh, one thing is, I you want to have like a list of your wins to say like, hey, these are the things I've been working on. These are the results that I've gotten. This is how much money I've made the company. This is how much money I've saved the company. This is how much time I've saved the company. Uh, these are the the potential um, snafus that I prevented the company from having. You know, there's lots of different ways that you can position your value. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Adam, I'm also curious to ask you a couple of fun questions to end our conversation, my friend. So my first question in that regard is this: You know, if I gave you say uh, an hour to write your life biography and what you want people to know about your life, your accomplishments, and how you wanted to be remembered. What do you think would be the last line of that biography? And what do you think would be the first line as well? Oh, that's good. The first and last lines. Um, <laughs> do you know, I, I, I wouldn't write it myself, to be honest. What I would love to have is I would love to have a page on Daily Better that has a thousand different people talking about how the website and the information in there has changed their lives fundamentally. And so the first sentence would be uh, whatever the first person has to say, and the last sentence would be whatever the last person had to say. So I, I hope I'm not dodging your question, but um, I know it sounds kind of weird. Somebody who's written a few books is actually not, not going to write it, but I, I do think that is much more powerful. It, to hear that other people have, have seen positive changes in their life based on the things that I've done for them. And, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's the last sentence right there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Adam, you, you've traveled all over the place, my friend. So tell me about your wife being your, or your chief uh, travel companion and why it's important for, for you to 
grow your uh, your marriage and relationship with your wife through uh, travel because it's a form of connection and experience with with your wife, isn't it? I'm sure it has made your marriage uh, stronger going through uh, these experiences, hasn't it? It yeah, it definitely has. I, I'm a firm believer that in any relationship, not not just romantic ones, but in any relationship, you're either growing together or you're growing apart. And I think it was Hemingway who said this. Uh, he said, you should only travel with people that you love. And so chief travel companion is someone that I love more than anybody. So that, that works out pretty well. When we are traveling, particularly in like the low times, the struggles, you know, like there was a time where we were in this, uh, this crowded city in India and there's this huge thunderstorm and lightning is coming down and we're trying to get to this bus and we're wading through water that's like up to our kneecaps just to get on this bus. And you're looking up and seeing the lightning and you've got people coming by on motorbikes and they're like reaching out and, you know, kind of like blocking our way to get there. Like that's a rough time. That was a, a yeah, that was a, a very rough time. And it was something that we just had to be there for each other and and get through it. And, you know, we've we've got lots of stories like that. And I think that that ultimately what doesn't break you up makes you stronger in that regard. And then on the flip side, like the really fun stuff, the memorable stuff, those are the things that we still talk about, you know, things that we did 15, 20 years ago. We still get to laugh about it. And and I'm sure we're going to be laughing about it 20 years from now as well. And life is all about laughter, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, if you, if you can't laugh, I don't really see the point of living. <laughs> you know, like... You have to embrace things that uh, that are always changing. And just as a quick side note, I, I just got out last week. I got out from a two-week meditation retreat. Uh, it's 12 days. It's called Vipassana, if anybody's familiar with it. You take a vow of silence. So you're there. I think for nine days out of the process, you don't, you don't say a word. And you meditate for, let's say, 10-ish hours a day. And during that time, you're just training yourself to pay attention to the sensations of your body. And as you do that, you learn to not react. So if if like, oh, my leg hurts or you know, there's something bad or, oh, wow, I'm getting this like really pleasant flow, you train your mind to not react to either of those things. You just observe and you just observe. And I found that that was, that was super helpful in making me much more laid back. And as a result, I laugh more because I know that, that all these things in life are transient. You know, things will, will change and what's happening right now will be very different than what happens 15 minutes from now, you know, this too shall pass, like the old saying. And so, yeah, kind of an, as, uh, an aside there, but uh, it, it's definitely helped me laugh more at, at life's foibles. Indeed. And, you know, Adam, I'm going to end our conversation with a two-part question because, you know, I wanted to start this podcast two and a half years ago because I looked at the world and I said, there has to be more that brings us together than tears us apart. So I wanted to create this platform to provide uh, sort of uh, bridges of inclusion and acceptance. And, you know, building human and social capital is very important to me. So tell me about how you think, from a life perspective, people can build human and social capital in a more uh, a more uh, faster pace than they do now. And when you look at your overall life and legacy, my friend, how do you want that to be defined? Hmm. 
I, I agree. I think your network is really everything. The people in your life, um, the the people that you care about. That's that's really what makes life you know worth living as well. Being able to laugh with them about things, and so how people could grow that faster. I'm not sure if it's faster, but it, it's certainly a higher quality would be to appreciate. And again, this is coming from the meditation retreat that I had just done is that it's very easy to be unnerved or, 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 or driven to, to anger from things that other people are doing. And you can't really control what other people are doing, but you can control how you react to it. And I've really learned, we all have kind of two reactions to everything. There's the knee-jerk reaction, like a reflex, where it's just like, you know, somebody cuts you off in traffic and you just like anger right away. It just comes out of nowhere. But then there's the second more considered reaction where you might think, well, you know, maybe they're in labor. Maybe they're having a heart attack. Maybe they're just having a bad day. And besides, I'm just in this car, I'm driving, everything's fine. And I think learning to embrace that that slight pause and not react, just taking that slight pause to consider where the other person is coming from can really increase the quality of relationships. And it kind of reminds me of that old saying that the easiest way to have a lot of friends is to be a great one. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't finally tell me if uh, people want to get connected with you, my friend, and about the book again, again that you're writing and, uh, and eventually going to release. Tell me how people like to, again can get their hands on it and how they can uh, contact you personally if they're so inclined to do that. Sure thing. So the easiest thing for all of you listening is to grab a free copy of the book. It's already written. It just hasn't been published yet. And I'm happy to offer it to all of you for free just for listening today. You can reach the, or you can get the book at dailybetter.org slash book. And you'll get the book for free. It's 16 chapters, 251 pages. It outlines a lot of what we talked about today uh, and can definitely help you basically learn from my mistakes and lead a much more fulfilling life. In addition, um, if you just go to dailybetter.org, you'll see a list of all the email courses that we've created, and we're creating more all the time. Um, so you go ahead and, and sign up for any of those that seem interesting uh, and take it from there. I should also, if you wanted to reach out to me directly, the simplest thing to do is if you sign up for any of those courses or you grab the free book, um, I will send you helpful emails and simply reply to those emails. I read every single one of them and I respond to basically all of them too. So I'm more than happy to help. As you can see, I'm genuinely passionate about helping people get better every day. And I think that that we could definitely achieve a lot together. Well, fabulous, Adam. I really want to uh, thank you for engaging in conversation with me about financial literacy, a little bit about your uh, personal sense of adventure, and really educating people on the importance of managing and, and thriving with automated finances. Your work in the space and uh, time on my behalf is most appreciated, and I want to thank you for being here this afternoon. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Like I had a great time, Kevin. I hope your listeners did too. And if you do have any questions, you can hit me up anytime.